The accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba presents the 27th College Football Hall of Fame season of Fighting Irish Preview. And now, the Guadalupe's Mexican Grill kickoff with your host, Phil Houck. Marcus Freeman's 21-game head coaching career has been marked by streaks of solid and sometimes spectacular play and sometimes head-scratching, ugly losses. It's been boom or bust, to be sure. Remember last year? Of course you do. Well, let's talk about it. In the first regular season of the Marcus Freeman era, the Irish played well against Ohio State. Boom. And then the next week against Marshall, bust. And the Irish defeated ranked North Carolina and then ranked BYU. Boom. And then they turned around and lost to 16.5 point underdog Stanford the next week. Bust. Next, the Irish came back and reeled off a quality win against 16th ranked Syracuse and had their way against number four Clemson 35 to 14. Boom. Boom. Freeman ended 2022 with a first half boom and then a second half bust all in one game against Navy, a nice victory over Boston College, and then a mini bust against USC to end the regular season, which of course was followed by a Gator Bowl boom over South Carolina. Moving on to 2023, this season things looked mighty promising with a year of experience at head coach and the addition of Sam Hartman at quarterback. And sure enough, the first five games of 2023 started out in full boom mode. Navy, Tennessee State, NC State, Central Michigan, right through the devastating bust at the end of the Ohio State game. That bust continued the next week against Duke as the Irish self-destructed. 12 penalties, missed field goals, dropped passes, and missed tackles. Fortunately, the Irish snatched a victory from what looked like certain defeat despite the subpar play. And that brings us to Louisville. Odd play calling. Going for a 4th and 11 from the Louisville 35 with 10 minutes left in the game. Rotating offensive lineman, 5 sacks, 1.6 yards per rush, 5 turnovers. I'll stop there. There's no need to relive any more of that pain. But if you have been paying attention, it was kind of predictable. The Irish were playing another team that they were favored to defeat. But as a team, based on the pattern, the Irish were in full-blown bust mode. After 21 games, Marcus Freeman is 14-7. and His teams have played well in that span against the best opposition on the schedule. But against teams they should beat, well... The Irish have not exactly taken care of business. In fact, they have played flat-out bad a few times. The good news for this theory would be that if the Marcus Freeman boom-bust cycle holds to form, the Irish are due for a lights-out boom of a performance against the 10th-ranked and undefeated USC Trojans. Guadalupe's Mexican Grill, now with locations on Illinois, Leo, and DuPont Roads, and in Georgetown Square. Guadalupe's Food Made Fresh. Now, stay tuned for Fighting Irish Insight from America's foremost authority on Notre Dame football, Tim Priester, Senior Editor of IrishIllustrated.com. After these words from Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, Sheer McCulloch Auctioneers, and Flight by Yingling. 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories. It's the next generation of light beer. This is Fighting Irish Preview. 
The University of Notre Dame exemplifies dedication to hard work, integrity, and personal values, which result in success in the classroom and on the football field. The professionals at Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like Notre Dame, know the same dedication, and their experience and expertise provide peace of mind for you and your business. Tax planning, tax compliance, auditing, business valuation, and estate planning, the full-service accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like the Irish, has what it takes to help you achieve success. Located in Fort Wayne near Jefferson Point, Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba proudly supports Notre Dame football and congratulates all those who are a part of the greatest tradition in all of sports. Go Irish! Flight by Yingling. It's the next generation of light beer. For those who don't follow trends, but craft them. Flight by Yingling is 12 ounces of uncompromised refreshment from America's oldest brewery. With only 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories, this is premium refreshment, six generations in the making. Don't just raise a glass, raise the bar. Flight by Yingling. Available wherever beer is sold. DG Yingling and Sun Incorporated, Pottsville, Pennsylvania. Please enjoy responsibly. Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Houck. Well, Tim Priester, it has been another long week. And funny how that always seems to feel longer after a loss. Thinking back to several days back, it was a joyous scene in Louisville, if you're a Louisville fan, as the fans stormed the field. So what was the top thing going through your mind in those closing minutes last week, besides how, as we were down on the field, how we were going to avoid being trampled? about this uh, this collapse by the Irish. I was really surprised Phil that Notre Dame lost the line of scrimmage uh, and, and I don't think that <laughs> I don't think I was alone in that. I know that a lot of national media chimed in and said that they thought that Notre Dame would would uh, would control the line of scrimmage offensively and defensively and that wasn't the case. In fact, by the end of the 60 minutes and the 33 to 20 loss, um Louisville had controlled the line of scrimmage. So that was that was going through my mind because that was the most disappointing aspect of it. And had that had that been the case, I think Nordame would have won. That's why that's part of the why Louisville won. In addition to having a great running back in Jawar Jordan, who broke a couple runs, and and uh, just a team that was that was more ready to compete over sixty minutes than Nordame was. Yeah, more ready to compete. I I certainly concur with that. Now. And, and fortunately, you and I are veterans, so we, we knew where to go to avoid getting trampled uh, in that mob scene after the game. Tim, Marcus Freeman's teams have not exactly been models of consistency through 21 games. And last Saturday, I thought, really kind of proved that point. Tim, especially on offense, the Irish just looked lost for much of the game. 44 yards, uh, net yards of rushing, and we talked about not being able to control the line of scrimmage. And Sam Hartman under pressure all night long, five turnovers. Well, let's talk about the offensive line. You know, rotating players, I mean, did that make sense or did that really foreshadow that the Irish got a serious problem on their offensive line? Yeah, I didn't understand the timing of it, Phil. I know it's easy to say in retrospect that the time to do that was Navy and Tennessee State and Central Michigan on the road against undefeated Louisville. I I didn't think that that was the right time to do it. Billy Shrouth is a guy that I think, you know, first of all, we all expected him to win a starting job, which he did not over Pat Coogan and or uh, Rocco Spindler. Uh, so, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with the notion of trying to get him in a game, but the circumstances just didn't, 
didn't really call for it. And, and I mean, it was done because they didn't think that the guard play had been sufficient enough. But I, I you know, putting Shrouth in, I thought there was one occasion where Shrouth was overrun on a pass rush, but I thought otherwise he played pretty well. But they didn't, whether it was them or the other, uh, the starting guards, uh, Christophic or the starting guards or whatever, they didn't play well. They were they were beaten in the trenches by a team that that was more physical and, you know, on that given night, they wanted it more than Notre Dame did. So I don't know that the shuffling of the offensive line necessarily had anything to do with it. Joe Alt was was trampled one time, which rarely happens. And I, I don't – Blake Fisher hasn't played – he really hasn't played quality football for any level of consistency this year. So um, they've got a little bit of a problem. I, I, I think it was worse last Saturday than at any other point. Uh, you play a USC defense now – that has some good individuals but aren't very good collectively. This might be a good time to be playing USC, but uh, but I don't know, not with the state of Notre Dame's offensive line last Saturday. Well, they say that continuity in your in your lineup is always important along the offensive line. And when you start rotating it, there's a problem, But uh, and it didn't work out for the Irish last week. Let's talk about play calling. Uh, Marcus Freeman says he has no problem with play calling, that it's execution – but really, wasn't it just bad play calling or it's just really going to be a little bit of both? But according to our message boards or the message boards all week, Tim, it was bad play calling. What, what's your take? Yeah, I mean, the message boards are always going to say bad, bad play calling when, when you don't score points, whether it, whether that's justified or not. In this instance, I do think it it is somewhat justified. I, I agree with Marcus Freeman that. It is execution as well. Of course, when asked a pointed question by uh, a sports writer about the play calling and his thoughts on it, he really doesn't have much choice to, to say that he doesn't have a problem with the play calling. But look, when you when you have third and short, fourth and short, third down conversions have been terrible the last couple of weeks. It's up to the offensive coordinator, Jared Parker, to dial the right to the dial uh, the right play. And um he didn't do that. I, I think that I think the offense has gotten a little stale. Um, when you score fifty-five points in three weeks, it's it's hard not to come to that conclusion. And you know, if Jared Parker was an experienced offensive coordinator, you, the the leash would be a lot longer. But he's not. And when they needed something dialed up at at the the, the proper time to in order to salvage last week's game, it didn't happen. So. You know, you can you can look to a team that's a little bit worn out, a team that had has gone to the well in the previous two weeks to win a game. Uh, USC is next, all those things. But at the end of the day, it's a collective, and Notre Dame's offense failed on on many fronts last week. Yeah, and and not the least of those was, of course, uh, short yardage situations and something that has been missing this year that the Irish had last year was what we called Mitchell Palooza, Mitchell. Evans uh, would just take the snap, a direct snap, the tight end, and just run it up the middle with uh, his strength, the former quarterback. He did it really well. Concussion issue earlier in the season may be the reason he's not doing it, but let's talk about Mitchell Evans because he is one weapon that has continued to be consistent for the Irish. Tim, at the risk of sounding crazy, is there any reason why he should not be compared to Michael Mayer? Because I think he does. Yeah, I, you know, I, I wrote it. I think we've said it. He's He's longer than than Michael Mayer. He's 
a little bit faster than Michael Mayer. He certainly catches the ball extremely well. I, you know, I mean, it doesn't matter whether he's as good as Michael Mayer or not quite there, and none of that really matters. What what has happened, however, is that at a time when everybody thought Notre Dame would be um, a little bit short at at tight end with the loss of Michael Mayer a year early, Mitchell Evans has, has certainly in the last three games has produced at a Michael Mayer level uh, of productivity. So um, good football player. Um, hope to have him around for another year yeah. <laughs> that he hasn't developed too well, but really good football player. Uh, great kid to deal with in the media and getting better all the time. Yeah, well, thank heavens for Mitchell Evans. Like you said, we weren't expecting him to to be performing at this level. But right now, he's, he's the best Notre Dame's got 22 catches, 343 yards on the season. Those Both of those numbers lead the team. And let's go a little deeper into the receiving the football category. Jordan Faison and Tobias Merriweather. Tim, compare and contrast. Well, Merriweather apparently has dealt with a hamstring issue, which seems to be an epidemic among Notre Dame's wide wide receivers right now. But in, a, in the last two games, nine targets, one catch. Uh, just hasn't been productive. He's productive as a blocker, but you need more than that from from your fastest wideout, your best deep threat. And then you have Jordan Faison, who's targeted twice within a handful of plays, converts a first down, and then turns a, a pass into a 36-yard touchdown. I don't – I mean, I don't really – comparing them and contrasting them, they play different positions. One is not preventing the other from – from getting on the field per se. Now that Faison has played, he's has to be on football scholarship. So there's nothing to hold Notre Dame back from using him more. I think they will. Uh, we had a chance to speak with Jordan Faison this week and he, he said he has, he's fine as it, uh, with regards to the playbook. So I would expect to see him more. The only issue there is that Jaden Greathouse uh, has has played a lot of slot and Chris Tyree has played a lot of slot. So I think what you what you have to do is expand the menu a little bit for Great House, provided he's he's better from his hamstring injury and and Tyree um, to get your best receivers on the field. I don't know that we can say Jordan Faison is one of Nordings' best receivers, but he was last Saturday, and uh, they play again this Saturday. So we'll see if he is once again. Well, his Jordan Faison's record, two targets, two catches, one TD, that's not bad. The other thing to, for folks to keep in mind, not obviously at, he's about 5'11", 185, uh, Faison along with Chris Tyree are considered to be the two fastest players on the team. Faison was good all during camp. Let's give the young man a try. We've got problems at the wide receiver's uh, position. Uh, Tim, another semi-bright spot from last week's game, I thought, is that the defense mostly held up uh, through at least two and a half quarters um, until they gave up a couple of big runs. Uh, and one of the players who is really playing well right now, uh, and he's come on particularly in the last three weeks, defensive tackle Riley Mills. Tim, you talked to him this week. Is he finally starting to realize his enormous potential? Well, I, I tell you, the old phrase, if you had a nickel for every time you said something or did something, if I had a nickel for every time I complained about Riley Mills not being able to get off blocks, uh, I'd have a, a pocket full of change. But uh, he is getting off blocks now. I thought that started against Ohio State. 
He had his best game against Duke, a career-high seven tackles. He had another four or five stops against Louisville. He is getting off blocks, and he's making plays. And, uh, and he, you know, we're, it took three and a half years into his career. He's played a lot. He's played 42 games. He started the last, oh, about 20 uh, and and has had great difficulty up until this recent stretch. Big kid, um, a kid that that should be more productive than he had been, and he's doing it now. He's he's filling gaps. Um, he's staying off blocks, and he's making plays. You can't always judge, and you know this, judge uh, that you can't always judge a uh, a defensive lineman, especially an interior defensive lineman, based upon tackles, but. When they're making a lot, then you know they're beating a block and and generally making plays at the line of scrimmage. So uh, it's taken a while, but Riley Mills is getting there. Yeah, well, Mills, a tremendous athlete. We've always known of his potential and expected him to emerge at any moment. He just hadn't, but in the last few weeks, he finally seems to be getting it. And hopefully he'll come back for a fifth year. He will be eligible for that. I suppose that depends on his NFL grade that he gets at the end of the season. Uh, Tim, one last Louisville question. How good is Louisville? Can they compete for an ACC championship? Well, I think they're in a position to do that, and I don't think that the ACC is is one of the better conferences in the country. So I don't see why they can't. I, you know, we're I think we're all guilty of of underestimating Louisville. They still haven't given up a point in the first quarter, and I realize that their schedule wasn't very good, uh, you know, prior to uh, the Notre Dame game. But I, I've said this many, many times. You just because the 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 schedule of the opponent isn't very good doesn't mean that that opponent is not a good football team. It's harder to detect, but I think that they've shown that they can run the football. They have balance. They certainly can throw the football as well. I I don't know that Jack Plummer is going to contend for any awards, but I I, I think that he manages offense really well. Their defense took a massive step up against Notre Dame. Love Love their cornerbacks. Uh, Jarvis Brownlee actually is a really good cornerback, and that's who Jordan Faison beat for his touchdown. So that was impressive. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think Jeff Brom has shown over the years that he's really good when he plays ranked football teams. He's had some success doing that, and they continue to grow and grow. So I've been impressed. I, I don't, you know, like if they get knocked off here in the next couple of weeks, I wouldn't be shocked by that either. But they've come together really, really nicely under a first-year head coach or or a head coach in his first year at Louisville. Yeah, well, they have moved up to uh, 14th overall in the rankings, and Louisville is 6-0. and They are at Pitt this week, and in a couple of weeks, they'll be back home against Duke. Tim, let's turn to the task at hand a little bit and talk about USC and, of course, defending Heisman Trophy winner Caleb Williams. Tim, tell us what makes him so difficult to defend. Last year, the Irish had about two answers to about four questions you got to answer against him, and he just killed Notre Dame. First of all, it starts with his athleticism, and then I, then his vision is just at a different level. And when I say vision, I mean he has to decide where do I run, where are the open pockets in my path to get upfield. He sees them all. Uh, when when it, when a, a play when a pass play breaks down, he sees exactly where all of his receivers are. His vision is absolutely incredible, and I always compare it to the the kid on the playground that's just a better athlete than everybody else, and they're playing tag, and nobody can catch him, nobody can tag him, and that's Caleb Williams. And then you know, then you come to the 
football specific stuff, his ability to throw the ball from different arm slots, different arm angles, his accuracy, his feel for the game. He is just a he's a tremendous football player with all the attributes that you're looking for in a first round draft choice and probably the first first quarterback chosen and probably the first player chosen in the NFL draft. Yeah, he's going to be a tall task to defend again, like last year. Last year, um, 18 of 22 passing the ball. He threw for one touchdown pass, but he really killed the Irish by rushing for three touchdowns on top of that. Thanks, Tim. Coming up, it's the all-time Irish hero. Key to an Irish victory, injury report, and the world-famous Irish illustrated prediction. And during the break, it's the Fighting Irish Fact of the Week, brought to you by Ron Wise and the Wise Insurance Agency. This is the 388th edition of Fighting Irish Preview. This is Art Salzburg. I don't speak for a lot of companies, but Sharon McCulloch is a firm that provides a great and much needed service. As Sharon and I get older, we've been thinking of moving, but frankly, the thought is somewhat overwhelming. That's where Sharon McCulloch comes in with a full service plan that takes the pressure off. Listen to this. Shearer McCulloch will sell your house, auction the items you don't want to take, then pack everything else and move you. In sports terms, that's a blowout win. Shearer McCulloch uses an international auction platform to make sure your possessions are seen by the right buyers. They'll get top dollar for your special treasures. Shearer McCulloch is highly recommended by leading retirement communities and law firms, plus they're AAA with the Better Business Bureau. Call them at 441-8636. That's 441-8636. They'll make your moving experience easy and profitable. Shearer McCulloch. The Fighting Irish Back of the Week is brought to you by our friends at the Wise Insurance Agency. Dating back to 2015, Notre Dame has won five straight over USC and Notre Dame Stadium. The Irish lead in the 94-year series 50-38 with five ties. Call Ron Wise at the Wise Insurance Agency or go to thewiseinsuranceagency.com and get an auto or home quote in less than five minutes. Flight by Yingling is the next generation of light beer. For those who don't follow trends but craft them, Flight by Yingling is 12 ounces of uncompromised refreshment from America's oldest brewery. With only 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories, this is premium refreshment, six generations in the making. Don't just raise a glass, raise the bar. Flight by Yingling. Available wherever beer is sold. DG Yingling and Sun Incorporated, Pottsville, Pennsylvania. Please enjoy responsibly. Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Houck. This is Fighting Irish Preview. The 21st-ranked Irish host, number 10 USC this week. TV coverage on NBC starts at 7.30 p.m. South Bend time. And it's now time for the all-time Irish hero. Brought to you by the Marina at Lake Gage. Chris Craft, Mastercraft, Vanderbilt, and Premier Pontoons. New and previously owned, we share your boating passion. This season, we have been focusing on the best defensive players of the last 20 years. But this week is a special occasion. It is the 50th anniversary of the one of the most memorable plays ever in Notre Dame Stadium. And Eric Pennick made that play an 85-yard touchdown run. Eric Pennick came to Notre Dame in 1971 out of Gilmore Academy near Cleveland with a reputation as a big, lightning-fast runner. 
6-1-209, and a state sprint champion at Gilmore. Pennick broke out as a sophomore in 1972 and led the Irish in rushing with 727 yards and five touchdowns. Then in 73, he played a big role in leading the Irish to a national championship. Pennick was second on the team in rushing that season with 586 yards and seven touchdowns. Two of those scores were pivotal for the Irish in 1973. The first big score is the play against USC, the 85-yard touchdown run. In the third quarter, with the Irish holding a 13-7 lead, Pennick took a pitch to the left from his own 15-yard line, exploded the rest of the yardage to the end zone. The Irish went on to a 23-14 victory over their arch rival. Pennick's second big TD run in the 1973 season occurred against Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. With the Tide leading in the third quarter 17-14, Pennick took a handoff from Tom Clements, off tackle to the left, and scampered 12 yards into the end zone. That run put the Irish into the lead, and on the night, they won 24-23 and won the 1973 National Championship. Unfortunately, during spring practice leading up to his senior year, Pennick suffered a devastating injury that included a broken leg and torn ligaments in his ankle. The recovery was slow, and he was limited to just 12 carries during his final ND season. That injury pretty much ended his dreams of playing in the NFL. In 2022, he suffered a significant health issue that resulted in the loss of a leg. But he's now doing well and recently published a fascinating autobiography called A Notre Dame Man, The Life, Lore, and Runs of Eric Pennick. Tim, it is fitting that we honor Pennick this week as his 1973 National Championship team is celebrating their 50-year reunion and being honored on campus, and Pennick will be in attendance. Well, you can argue that it's the greatest run in Notre Dame Stadium history, greatest from the standpoint that Notre Dame uh, went on to win the national title. Now, Kyron Williams and Josh Adams had a few tremendous runs in Notre Dame Stadium, uh, but obviously didn't contribute to a national title. It's, Phil, for you and me growing up in South Bend, um, I mean, it's an image, it's a, it's a play in our minds that is – that is ingrained for life. We know how it looks, how it unfolds, who the key people were in in uh, setting the stage for the long run. And uh, yeah, Eric Pennick is is uh, is is legendary in in Notre Dame history, mainly because of that one run. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, in Pennick, uh, what a tremendous athlete! His junior year in high school, he won uh, from Ohio. He won state titles in the 100 and 220 yard dash. Well, he did that again his senior year, but he added a title in the 440. So three state championships. By doing so, he single-handedly led his team, Gilmore, to a state of Ohio track championship. He was the only guy there. Eric Pennick, another Marina at Lake Gage, all-time Irish hero. The Marina at Lake Gage, we love boats. And it's now time for the Aspen Mortgage Key to an Irish victory. USC is 6-0 and ranked number 10 in this week's AP poll. They escaped at Arizona last week in triple overtime, 43-41. Now in his second season with the Trojans, Lincoln Riley has quickly returned this program to prominence, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. 
Defending Heisman Trophy winner quarterback Caleb Williams is leading the nation's top scoring offense to 51.8 points per game. He has thrown 22 touchdown passes and just one interception. And yes, as the Irish learned last season, he is a dual threat, having run for six touchdowns. Catching the ball from Williams is a large group of weapons led by veterans Taj Washington, 21 catches, 456 yards, and five touchdowns, and Brendan Rice, 21 catches, 434 yards, and seven TDs. Those are just two guys. Don't be surprised if you hear the names like Mario Williams, Zachariah Branch, Dorian Singer, and others. Those three have double-digit catches also on the year. And as if that wasn't enough, the Trojans boast a much-improved running attack over a year ago. Marshawn Lloyd leads the ground game with 519 yards on 67 carries, good for a 7.7-yard average with four touchdowns. Spelling Lloyd is senior Austin Jones, who has 163 yards and a 6.5-yard per carry average and four touchdowns. He ran for 154 yards against the Irish a year ago. Defensively, the Trojans have been hit and miss, with a little more miss than hit, but they've been very good at bringing pressure. 109th in total defense, they give up 421 yards per game, and they are 76th ranked, giving up 27 points per game. The defensive line has been rebuilt from 2022 with three transfers, and they are one of the top-ranked sack units in the nation, averaging 3.67 sacks per game. Senior Solomon Bird leads the unit with 4.5 sacks. USC is number one in the nation with an impressive 9.5 tackles for loss per game. The Trojans' secondary looks to be vulnerable. USC is 89th in pass efficiency defense. As the season has worn on, the Trojans have been guilty of missing lots of tackles, including 17 each in the last two games. USC is also one of the most penalized teams in the nation at 127th. They have given away 78.67 yards per game. Tim Priester, rain in the forecast for game time, midterm exams this week, Lions and Tigers and Bears, oh my. What is the Aspen Mortgage key to an Irish victory? So I'm going to list two. One, starting with the offensive side of the ball, Notre Dame needs to hit some explosive plays. Uh, USC is awful in that area. They're 130th in 20-yard plays allowed, 118th in 30-yard plays, 103rd and 40-yard plays. You get the you get the idea. They're going to score points, so Notre Dame needs to hit some big plays. And then on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, it goes without saying that you have to stop Caleb Williams. But I think. If Marshawn Floyd or Marshawn Lloyd runs the football for them, you can probably forget about it. Slow down, Marshawn Lloyd. That really was what kind of sunk the Irish last year was what Austin Jones did against the Irish. Uh, but if you slow him down and hit a couple of explosive plays on offense, you're right in the ball game. And those are Tim Priester's Aspen Mortgage keys to an Irish victory. And Tim Priester, who is this week's Aspen Mortgage key player for the Irish? Well, I might have said Jaden Thomas last week. I'm not sure. He wasn't quite up to speed yet from his hamstring injury. But if they're going to hit a deep ball, actually the most logical, uh, the, the the best candidate for a deep ball would be Tobias Merriweather. But he's been so inconsistent. I'm, I'm going to go with Jaden Thomas for breaking a long one for the Irish. All right. Get one over the top or maybe two to Jaden Thomas. And he is your Aspen Mortgage Key Irish player this week, Aspen Mortgage. For all your mortgage needs, call 486-LOAN. And it's now time for the Injury Report, brought to you by Indiana Physical Therapy. Your choice for physical therapy now with 22 Indiana locations. Tim, how are the Irish health-wise going into game eight? 
Phil, I don't think that there's anything significant coming out of last week that I'm aware of. I, I still think that the Jadens, as in Thomas and Greathouse, the wide receivers, so they weren't up to 100% last week, so they need them to continue progressing. Eli Raritan, the tight end, played. He blocked. He did some good things. He missed some blocks. You know, we, I think we all saw Audric Estime hobbled a little bit late in the game. Marcus Freeman was asked about him, and uh, he downplayed it. So I think uh, about where they were last week, only hopefully a little bit further along with some of those pass catchers. Well, lots of little nagging things, especially the hamstrings in that receiver core, uh, but no significant injuries, and that's good news. Thanks, Tim. And that is the Indiana Physical Therapy Injury Report. And it's now time for the world-famous irishillustrated.com prediction. Brought to you by SES Environmental. Need help navigating environmental risk and with regulatory compliance? You need SES. Look them up at sesadvantage.com. Tim Priester, Vegas, says the Irish by two and a half. What does America's foremost authority say? I think the weather plays a bit of a factor, keeps the score down a little bit. Of course, bad weather can create big plays for offenses, too. But I just think in general, it will keep things down a little bit. It'll it'll rain. It'll be a little bit windy. Um, So I think it'll be a little bit more conservative. But, you know, it's it's uh, as much as you don't like to see Caleb Williams walk into your stadium. I think we all appreciate a, a great competitor and a great football player. And it'll be fun to watch him come into Notre Dame Stadium for the first time. Uh, USC has not won at Notre Dame since 2011, so they've won five straight there. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's just really, really difficult for, for Notre Dame to end up scoring more points than USC. USC has the clear advantage offensively. Notre Dame has the clear advantage defensively. But Caleb Williams has the ability to to make three, four, six plays over the course of a game that that turned the tide for USC. USC has been ripe for a loss. They could have lost each of the last two weeks to Arizona and Colorado. They were given a run for their money at Arizona State. I, I, my, my, I don't even know how to say this. I, my head tells me it should be USC winning this game, but the other part of my brain tells me that this is an ideal situation for Notre Dame with USC coming into Notre Dame Stadium and the weather. I'm going to go with Notre Dame 30, USC 27. Notre Dame 30, USC 27. And that is Tim Priester's world-famous irishillustrated.com prediction. Tim, you and I are not very far off. And I think Indy matches up well in this game. I mean, really, all the things you just said, they're bound to bounce back from what has happened the last couple weeks, particularly last week. And they are at home. Notre Dame Stadium, it's going to be home cooking and and the weather I, I think that will favor the Irish. But I just don't think there's enough in the tank to get it done against Caleb Williams. It pains me to give the following prediction. USC 38, Notre Dame 30. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Phil. Go Irish, and thanks for listening to Fighting Irish Preview. Special thanks to Jim Shovelin, Brett Rump, Art Salzberg, and studio producer Adam Schenkel. For more Fighting Irish Preview, check out FightingIrishPreview.com and also listen to and subscribe to our podcast, available on all podcast platforms. Fighting Irish Preview is the copyrighted property of Judge Phil Productions. Podcasts by Federated Media.